As you're listening to this episode, let us know if you have any questions for our guest. If so, please send us a message to team at onehaas.org or join our discussion board using our Clever podcast app. You can download the app at clever.fm. Welcome to Around the Block at Haas, a Here at Haas podcast focused on all things blockchain around all of Berkeley. We're chatting with Haasies, professors, blockchain, entrepreneurs, and more. I'm your executive producer and co-host, Paulina Lee. And I'm your co-host, Paul Brzezik. I'm passionate about blockchain and super excited to introduce those around campus who are innovating in the crypto space. Welcome to another episode of Around the Block at Haas. This week, Paul and I are very excited to have Andrea Chang join us in the virtual studio. She is a part of the full-time program at Haas, graduating this spring of 2022. She's currently a partner at a crypto VC headquartered in Singapore called NGC. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Hi. Yeah, nice meeting you. Nice meeting you as well. How's your week going so far? Yeah, very busy. Lots of travel recently. I bet. Well, we love to ask all of our guests this first question up front. Tell us about your journey to Haas how you got here and what you have been up to this semester. I grew up in Taiwan. I studied National Taiwan University there. After college graduation, I went to Goldman Sachs in Singapore doing equity research for a few years. And then I also switched to technology-focused venture capital in Taiwan, where I stayed last of the year before I fully transitioned my career into crypto investments in mid-2018. So I was active in the crypto investments space ever since. In the meantime, I joined Berkeley Haas program full-time BA in 2020. But my first year was fully remote due to COVID. And I moved, just moved to California last August. Oh, wow. What a journey. <laughs> well, welcome to California. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. My first question is, what got you interested in crypto? So at that time, when I was at the technology venture capital I mentioned, I was in charge of looking deep into fintech sector, given my background is majoring in finance. The fund itself looked at a lot of deep tech, artificial intelligence, biotech, and I picked fintech, like I said, because my interest in my background. But I still found that the fintech space is a bit broad for me. At the time, I want to find a focus where I can really get an edge and which is new. And this is where the blockchain piece come out. Because for a VC career, for my understanding, is that the connection and network matters. And picking a like a nascent sector for me is very beneficial, especially that blockchain and crypto is a whole new space. I still have a lot of room and relatively easy to get deals and know people. So then I initiated to become the internal lead of helping the fund at the time to understand what blockchain and crypto is. So I published internally some report. I leveraged the platform to reach out to different industry people. And I also attend a lot of conferences online. And then I realized that I was very attracted to the spirit of how a group of engineers and technologies that they think that a new technology can change the world in a better place, in that the core of blockchain is actually decentralization and the transition of value. That is also when I attended a lot of Vitalik's online talk, 
actually one offline Taiwan as well. So I think that is a great opportunity to join this drive. No matter where this industry will go, I think I'll give myself at least a few years to see how this thing will play out. So that's when I found the opportunity in Shanghai and I just flew to Shanghai without knowing anyone and get some interviews and stay there for two years and ride a journey ever since. I'm interested to know a little bit more about NGC Ventures, as I understand they're headquartered in Singapore, but it, they actually work in a decentralized fashion. Yeah, so NGC Ventures, we started in mid-2018. At that time, Neo Blockchain was the first limited partners, but we became independent ever since. We were the early investor in multiple public blockchains, such as Solana, Avalanche, Polkadot, to name a few. We are also active in many DeFi and Metaverse deals. We are decentralized in the sense that we have employees in Shanghai, Singapore, US, including East Coast and West Coast. And because each of us are quite independent in terms of sourcing deals and doing like research, but we also communicate a lot online. So we think that this form of decentralization can actually help us to capture the opportunity globally and actually around the clock. That makes a lot of sense. And I think what's so interesting about venture, to your point, is that a lot of times an investor has to pick a vertical in order to understand expertise, build up their network in order to enable deal flow, etc. So how did you go about building up your network and building up your expertise in a field that's constantly changing? I think I'm still in the process of learning like it's a never-ending journey there are also a lot of areas that i think i could have done better but i think for establishing a network like choosing a topic that's very niche but also growing very fast can definitely be of help like other than crypto i think another good example will be like virtual reality uh, we all knew that virtual reality experienced some boom a few years ago, but then because less of adoption, maybe the thing dies out. But for the people that persist learning and building the stream network in the field, maybe benefit when, say, Facebook changes name to Meta and the broader industry realize the trends of Metaverse may pick up. So if the person already in the gaming field or virtual reality field for a long time, this may be a good time for them. So crypto is just another example. I think that's a great point. And what's so interesting too is I feel like there's so many different startups and a lot of investments going towards everything metaverse right now. So would love to get your take on how are you defining the metaverse and what do you think are top three trends to watch for the metaverse? Sure. I think metaverse as a whole can be described as the virtual experience, whether it's 2D or 3D. So if we define it as virtual experience, it can have like several applications and scenarios. For example, games that create a very interesting virtual experience can be a metaverse. A social environment, say VR chat in Oculus can be a metaverse. Or even say like Decentraland, happening on your web browser can be a metaverse. So it's hard to pinpoint, say, what application or what product is metaverse, but the virtual experience plus 
virtual economy, I think itself can contain most of the definitions. I think latest trend is that metaverse can facilitate the merge between Web2 companies and Web3 companies. But right now, like Web2 companies, meaning companies like Meta or Microsoft or traditional gaming companies, their metaverse can make more people be aware of their product. And maybe from the adoption, they can realize, oh, maybe the tokenization and NFT can enable this virtual economy making more sense and fair. So that's why I say Web2 and Web3 merge can be facilitated by metaverse. And I think another will really be about the direct-to-consumer part. Like recently, we have seen a lot of consumer brands or even banks like JP Morgan, they have exposure to metaverse. The original behind is that these companies, they are trying to embrace the next generation consumers because the Gen Z, right? They are like digital nomad. So in order to catch their eye and expand their existing consumer network, metaverse can be another arena that they should deploy first. So we will see more and more brands that are very open to cooperating with these metaverse-related companies. And I think the third one will be about the realization of digital economy. NFT, it definitely attracts a lot of buzz, but I think no matter it's a bubble or not, I think it's proof that people are starting to recognize the value of digital assets. So I think digital asset can be the third trend. I love that. Paul, I know you had some questions too. Do you see Ventures as a partner, what you're looking for when you're analyzing all the different startups that are in the space? And so Metaverse is yet the latest buzzword, the latest trend. And how do you really distinguish those qualified startups that are working on real problems from the ones that might turn out to be scams? Because for our fund, we mainly focus on C stage or pre-A. So the stage is really early. That's why we, like other C-stage ventures, we focus and value a lot the interaction with the team. And also, we would like to see how the team structure, the track record of the team, and the diversification of the founding members' background. Preferably, the founder has very deep technical knowledge, but they also have a well-thought plan in terms of go-to-market strategy and industry partners. We also focus more about the infrastructure versus games itself. Our fund actually invested quite a few funds that focus on gaming. So when we receive the game projects, we usually invite our partners to experience the games and assess the games together. But at our core, we mainly like Web3 infrastructure products. So these products mainly tackle a few problems within blockchain or the potential opportunities, for example, like cross-chain NFT in the infrastructure space. Any red flags that you look for? And if you see them within teams or within the space, then immediately you know that you won't invest in that team. Yeah, I think it will be that their timeline seems focused too much on the token access strategy rather than product building. I think that's a red flag because if their focus is how to get the tokens of the exchange to launch pad, then one is very time consuming. And second is that oftentimes it needs to rely on the market, secondary market condition 
which is hard to predict for all of us. And so this is also the type of team that are very hard to go to the bear market when the secondary and prime markets are not that good. So you talked a little bit about Web 2 and Web 3, which I don't think we've technically defined for our audience yet. Would you mind explaining, call it Web 2, Web 3, and like the main differences and why it seems like everyone's talking about Web 3 these days? There are a lot of definitions, but I think a good way to separate them is that when the company establish or prepare their product, whether they put decentralization at the core of their product. For example, like Google, Meta, Microsoft, these are all great companies, but their products mainly centralized and they have a centralized team to design and didn't let the utility value going back to their consumers. But at the core of Web3 projects is that they leverage token economics or even NFTs to let their users also become part of the value chain. So if you think about your journey at Haas, you joined and had your first year remote. How was that first year for you? And how has the last, call it semester and a quarter that we've gone so far been in person for you? To be quite frank, because of the time zone difference, I was in Taiwan at the time. I couldn't attend most of the class. So the experience is definitely not complete compared, say, if I'm in Haas. But I think after I move here, I can understand what makes Berkeley special. I think one thing is that because Berkeley is a, the program is very complete in a sense that it has undergrads department, it has a lot of graduates, different, like say computer science, information technology, X departments, they also have MBA program. So that when you go to Haas, your network can also extend to other divisions, including the undergrads. And for me, that helped me a lot because I'm in crypto. I like to talk to founders and a lot of founders, they happen to be undergrad students or in other divisions. So I think the holistic academic offerings is very good. And also the location of it, the proximity to the Bay Area, like also helped me to meet industry partners very easily. So that's another good experience. Yeah, it's a great point. I think until Paul and I came up with this idea for Around the Block at Haas, I didn't realize how involved the undergrad community and how involved Eeks was in blockchain at Berkeley. And it's been really eye-opening and inspiring to see some of these people are 10 years younger than I am as someone in my last semester of the MBA, but their passion for the space, how much knowledge and expertise they have and the things that they're building so early on in their careers, even before they finish their undergrad. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. What's going on right now within the decentralized real estate space is just sort of mind boggling as you're seeing things like real estate in Decentraland getting sold for millions of dollars. And as you mentioned, that's only one of the digital spaces. So on your perspective, is this just all hype? Is this going to be leading into a substantial part of the metaverse? Is this just another hype cycle of something different in a year from now? If this is a legitimate value here? To be honest, I think no one can guarantee that whether a price of an asset will sustain in a longer time span or not, no matter it's digital or physical. But I think that the elevation of, say, Decentraland and other Manhoverse land is that people are starting to recognize 
that there are people to buy so much at a high price of a virtual assets. So I think the valuation of a virtual asset itself is a very magnificent thing. And I think also seeing another thing that make me ponder more is that maybe hype should be normalized because we have seen so many bubbles and hires in history in the past before, for example, railway, the start of the stock market itself. But maybe in our generation, because of the acceleration of technology, we may experience a lot of hypes, right? The comeback of the U.S. stock in the beginning of 2020, when it crashed and came up again, that can become a hype. And the crypto itself has already experienced so much bull and bear within the last two years. And now NFT went so high, maybe it's another high, but it's okay. People learn from every asset cycle and people recognize that with every new concept and technology, consumer behave that way and the assets and the money behave that way. And with every bubble, we learn something, we know what is valuable and the new generation entrepreneurs, they take these lessons and then they move on, they create new things, and then maybe there's another hype, but it's okay. There's innovation, people learn, and the cycle goes on and on. So as an investor, I'm also trying to get myself used to it. The tempo can be so fast, and the behavior of investors, retail investors, and consumers can be so radical. So I'm also getting used to it. That's a really great point, because I think if you think about the speed of information back in the day you referenced railroads it was obviously much slower so the quote-unquote hype took longer to build because it took a while for word to get out for people to try the products etc 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 so it just feels like hype now because information flows much quicker people can access things much quicker they can try and learn and do much faster which causes just quicker and up and down spikes And maybe it is just the way the world will operate now and people have to get used to a little bit of the back and forth because it is just real time trial and error, which is really interesting. I think another macro background is because the quantitative easing, the market has so much money. So another thesis is that these capital, they need to find new asset class. And it seems that where physical economy is very saturated, some of the money will find ways to go to the virtual economy. So this is where the digital assets, including crypto and metaverse, come into play. Right. And you've been at NGC for about four years now? Yeah, nearly four years. Any of your portfolio companies or deals that you helped lead that you were or are still super excited about? the favorite ones that you've worked with or bio companies that you've been more hands-on with? I think for the recent ones, well, some of them are actually in sales model, but there's one company called VRGen that I have been helping them to find investors and design more token economics, but it's a very early stage product. The reason why I like their product is that their team has a lot of experience in holding virtual concerts for many big brands like Red Bull and Twitch. So I would like to see how this kind of team can execute in a metaverse setting and how like say token economics can help this kind of product and platform to monetize. 
So that's the focus that I recently talked to the most. From the VC side, the number of deals that are coming in and how many deals do you guys actually fund? I think roughly less than 10% because there are so many deals. Yeah, and that's pretty typical, right, of most VC firms, not just crypto, I'd say, right? Yeah, I, I think it also will be dependent on whether we think it's good timing that the team can capture. Is NGC capturing equity as well as crypto tokens as part of the deal typically, or is it still generally just a straight equity play? We actually invest more in tokens, but we also invest in some equity companies. Very cool. So now that we've been quote unquote in person for the last semester and a half, you talked about networking while on campus. What else have you been getting involved with on campus outside the classroom? At least at the bottom of my first year, when I was remote, I held some virtual crypto roundtable where I invited some of my industry friends to hold webinar to talk about different things of crypto. And actually, it was in, I think it's mid-2021, that we hold a roundtable about Metaverse. And it was before Facebook announced their change of name. And before all the hype, so it was a good timing. Actually, like there were attendants that later told me that they bought a lot of decentralized token because of the sharing. So I found that quite interesting. Do you think along with Meta, is Microsoft now a real player in the metaverse space with its acquisition of Activision Blizzard? I think its biggest acquisition. Does that $70 billion immediately put Microsoft as a player? We need to see what their follow-up announcement, right? But no matter what, with Activision Blizzard, gaming is a great gateway for the wider social arena. So I think it's hard to mention any company as a pure metaverse company because their products will be just a part of the metaverse, right? Because as we mentioned, metaverse is so broad. Gaming may just be a part of it. But I think one thing that I would like to pay attention to will be how they plan to extend the resources about gaming to the wider social arena. I would be interested in knowing more, especially combining with other existing great products under Microsoft. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I think there's a lot of startups, to your point, building a lot of products around Web3 and the metaverse. And so... As the bigger conglomerates and the bigger tech giants attempt to pivot and a quote unquote keep up or lead what will come over the next year, two, three, four, five years, and we build up the virtual world even more. Yeah, definitely. And if you're having a blockchain startup at Berkeley and you're looking to raise money from crypto VC from NGC Ventures, What's the best advice that you can give to increase the chance of successfully closing a Series A? I think first is to be very clear about your product and solution and your vision, as in what is the positioning of your product in the wider industry space. And I think second is to make the best use of the Berkeley environment, especially the talent, because Berkeley has so many talents, both in undergrads, graduates, MBA. So assembly a team that is diverse and technically strong enough can itself help you establish a very advantageous position. 
And as you think about your last semester at Berkeley, what are you most excited for while still here at Berkeley? And what are you excited for post-graduation? I think it will be to meet even more people across the campus, whether it's in our MBA program or not. And also I would like to meet more student-led startups mainly just to brainstorm ideas, see how we can be of help. After graduation, I actually haven't decided which city I will move to, maybe the Bay Area or other parts of the U.S. or even Asia. I haven't decided, but I think no matter where I go, I'll still be in this industry to make myself also have more room to contribute to projects. I love that. I think it's so great because I think as I've dipped my toes in learning with Paul and through a couple of different interviews that we've done so far, I think what's fascinating about blockchain is that it's constantly evolving and there's so many different applications for it. And so many people are just trying to wrap their arms around it. And what I love too is that to the people that we've spoken, and maybe this is just at Berkeley or just people within the space, is that it doesn't feel competitive. It feels very cooperative and very collaborative. I think because it's moving so quickly, so people are so willing to share what they've learned and meet other people and help everyone build up collective expertise, which I think is a really great thing around something that's changing so quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I also think it's the quality of this industry as a whole, because as you said, it's so new and the space needs more talent to make the concepts become true. So I think most of the people I have met in the industry, especially the one with integrity and know-how, most of them are very friendly. Yeah. I think there's this reputation that if you're working on a crypto startup, it's probably just to raise money for a token. If you have any nice example to share that's cutting edge, but at the same time be having a good impact. I think a great example is actually, especially public chains. For example, Avalanche, right? So Avalanche is a public chain that offers cross EVM functions. So you can think of it as a blockchain that solves some of the scalability issues and are very friendly, especially to gaming and metaverse projects. So they have a tokens and they have investment divisions. They have incubation teams. I didn't work with them, but I passed quite a few projects to them before. Is that they have to guide through projects that wanting to build on top of them the necessary technical and ecosystem support. And because like they have tokens as well, the token actually captures the value when more users and developers recognize the utility of their product. So their tokens also went up a lot. Great. And there are also companies, for example, like Republic Crypto. They are not crypto project itself, but they are also a crypto fund. And they are also an advisory firm for projects that wanting to issue tokens. They also have a lot of good projects before. They actually partner with Avalanche. I just wanted to highlight one thing about Avalanche is with their transactions per second is anywhere from 5,000 to maybe 20,000 when their production chain is ready. And this is compared with 
Bitcoin, which is currently like seven and Ethereum, which is 13, Avalanche could be solving that scalability problem that we see with the current L1 chains. I think now it's already way much better than 2018 and 19. And I think having a reputation risk or whether you are worried that joining a crypto startup will make you feel less reputable. Yeah, don't give too much thoughts on that because at the end, if you know what you're doing and you recognize the team's value, even though the product doesn't succeed, the team doesn't prove out, but with a good intent, I think the market is still generous to accept the failure of a very early stage startup. Because like right now, like even very early stage projects, they can issue crypto, but at the end, there are still early stage startups, right? So they may fail, but if the team has tried and they already did whatever they can to proceed and they still didn't become the next Meta or next Microsoft, I think it's okay. Yeah, that's great advice. I think too, as someone who has spent my whole career in the corporate space and have yet to work at a startup, it's something that I think about a lot, right? The risk. But to your point, you learn so much at a small startup and whether it goes to the moon or whether it fails, you'll learn so much within that. And a lot of VCs will say, we don't look to whether the startup failed or didn't. It's mainly like who the people are on the team and we'll invest in the people again and again until we know they've found that right product market fit and the right timing. Because there's so many reasons why a startup might fail. It might not be the people. Yeah, I think there are also more and more big companies related to crypto. Like, for example, investment banks, they have digital assets department. And these digital assets department, they also invest in later stage products that offering crypto related financial assets products or blockchain development tool to name a few. And they normally already raise a lot of money and the team is also bigger. The founder's background is also tends to be more experienced. That's also the type of company that if you're interested in joining a space and you don't want to join a startup right away, you can also consider. Definitely. Well, one last question that I always love asking, especially our Haas MBAs, is just more get to know you. So now that you've been in Berkeley for the last few months and this semester, what are your top favorite places to eat or drink at? I like Ifan Bubble Tea. That's just mm, across yes. the street. Yeah, it's a Taiwanese brand because I came from Taiwan. Every time I go, it reminds me of my hometown and it's delicious. Yeah, that's great. And to stay up with the space, are there any books or podcasts or YouTube channels or influencers that you follow to stay informed? Too many, to be honest. But I think a good way to start, at least when I start, is that I watch a lot of YouTube video and white paper of the several main crypto projects like Bitcoin, Ethereum. Maybe now you can also take a look at Polkadot, Cosmos, Avalanche, Polygon. They are the original thinking behind that. And maybe also the white paper of some like blue chip DeFi products. But I think the quickest way is actually the YouTube video. That's great. 
All right. So last open-ended question, because I've really appreciated your advice and perspective on the whole industry and what you've seen in your time on the VC side. So any last parting words as we think about VC for crypto, metaverse, or the blockchain? Yeah. If you are very interested in venture capital, you may not have to join VC directly. Maybe it's good that you start with working with projects that you like, the founders that you like to understand what the operational size are doing. Because even for me now, I like to spend a lot of time talking and advising different entrepreneurs. And also right now, crypto VC, the market is more saturated, which is different from when I joined. So being closer to entrepreneurs can definitely be a good start. I love that. That's great advice. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been great hearing your experiences. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Around the Block at Haas. If you're interested in a specific blockchain topic, please email us at haaspodcasts, with an S, at berkeley.edu. Until next time, this is Paul. And this is Paulina, and we'll see you around the block.